everyone. Welcome to the Skeptically Inclined Science Podcast. We're on episode 58. Uh, I'm your host, Evan. And hello, my name is Tom. And I hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you're listening to. Happy New Year. Welcome to 2024. I hope you're having a great year so far. Uh, here to here for the first episode of Skeptically Inclined for 2024. Um, what are you going to... T- what are you going to tell? I thought you were going to say, I'm here to ruin it because you always have like some story that brings mm, yeah. everyone down. Well, what do you, have you some good stories to start off the year or some interesting a, a bunch news? A bunch of clinical trials that, uh, that look promising. Mm, you're big and in the clinical trial sphere now at the moment because... That's your. That's the the world you're in, isn't it? That's the that's the goal, anyway. Yeah. Um, and uh, there was um, preliminary results um, for a study that assessed therapeutic efficacy for Stargard disease, which is the condition that I was working on. So, so that's good news because it's the first treatment that shows any positive effect. Mm. And additionally, in the world of academia. A Wisconsin University Chancellor uh, says he was fired for producing and appearing in porn videos. Oh. So all of these things are happening, and uh, that's pretty cool, I think. I wonder how you heard of that news. You're like, I know uh, that guy. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen him. Uh, excellent. So okay. some quirky and actually interesting stories. And um, how about you? How was the start of 2024? Yeah, a bit of a throwback. Um... I have a, a a new story about hydroxychloroquine. That that <gasps> whole that whole thing. Um, there's been a a, a a study looking back and seeing what was, what did it have any? What was the true effect of taking hydroxychloroquine during um, COVID nineteen? Mm-hmm. Um, I have a, I have a lovely story about a study that was done research, or there was research recently done that humans can tell by chickens calls if they are happy or frustrated so i wanted to put you to the test and see if you could tell if these chickens are also which ones are happy which ones are frustrated like this is the the cutting edge of research right now who cares about going to the moon we need to know if chickens are happy or sad well i I have known I have you known that I'm just I have just completed my animal animal course. Oh, so I'm an animal handling course and so I know all about about and I I know all about reading animal cues in terms <laughs> of stress and uh, be, and behavior. Yes. So, <clears throat> so you're 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 put me to this a test. will be easy for you. Um, easy. And then finally ancient DNA reveals origins of multiple sclerosis in Europe. So we're going to go have a look backward again even further back into our ancestors um and have a look about how they have played a role in ms being so popular in northern europe so i i, I love when we go back yes i think you will like this story about okay. um all the homo sapiens and uh neanderthals and pre 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 homo pre homo oh god pre homo sapiens <laughs> pre-homo yeah that's it okay let's shorten it to that (laughs) people will know exactly what we mean um yeah so before we get into all the news uh, Mm -hmm. a lot to cover um how are you did you are you um did you ring in the year in a did you have sorry let me go back did you have a good christmas and did you have a good start to the new year are you yeah it was grand uh 
I'm just pre- preparing for my uh, defense mostly. So mm. that's uh, next that's, month. Yes, that's it. Next month, uh, even shorter than than month than full month. Uh, I'd say in like two two weeks. Yeah, maybe. Um, yeah. So at home it, it was nice because I didn't have to work, so I could focus on my defense, and then that's what I was doing. And then I came back to London, and I was and I worked during the day, and in the evenings. I try to do some reading. Sounds so, so much uh, fun. It's, like, uh, you should vlog I, that. That I think you get so much viewers for for that. Content. I'm not. Uh, I'm not that. I'm not that good as I thought I would be, as I hoped. But um, yeah, hopefully I'll be. Uh, I'll be somehow prepared for the defense. Oh, you'll we'll, be fine. We'll Just we'll I want to let people know as well. Um, in the Netherlands, the Dutch people just shoot. God. Uh, when you when you graduate, you assign uh, friends or like uh, work co-workers to help out with organizing the ceremony for the defense. Just so people know, they're called paranymphs. So it's yes. not some kind of sexual thing. Um, <laughs> it's actually, uh, it has a, a use. It actually means that we <laughs> have to organize, um, be basically Tom's assistant for the day, assistants for the yeah, day. Yeah, well... If you want to go for like a proper meaning, it it actually stems from the uh, word for for a witness, <laughs> because uh, ideologically, <laughs> sorry, I'm sub- sorry, you might have to say that again because I tried to make a joke and you just <laughs> didn't even listen to what I said. So sorry, I was I was deep in my thoughts. It's uh, <laughs> it stands for uh, it stems from the word uh, for witness. So. In a way, you are my witness because in in the context of the tradition, I am getting married to the university and to the academia okay. by receiving the oh, PhD, right, right. and you are and you like like a witness in the wedding ceremony. Right, it's like in uh, three hundred, is it? He's like witness me. That's, That's exactly what's <laughs> going to be. I'm just gonna do three hundred. Yes. Yes, and you need some well, and you just kick someone, or is that how it works? Maybe you're sitting in the chair, and someone kicks you back. You just hold the opposition. Oh no, you sorry. What am I on about? You don't. Isn't it in the movie? He he like karate kicks kicks someone into. He Sparta kicks this uh, one guy into the well. Yeah. Okay. This Persian guy. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Okay. So that's that's basically what we have to do to you. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, that's and then you're reborn. Uh, as a uh, as a doctor, yes, I'll be. <laughs> yeah, you. My ego is gonna be so big. Yeah. So I already have a, a request. I must have for your for your first song when uh, when you when you become a doctor. But I won't or tell it, you yet. Okay. Is it zombie? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not okay. zombie. Okay. Uh, That would be, yeah, no. (laughs) But enough enough about me. How are you? How are you getting on? Yeah, no, good. Christmas was uh, good, yeah, quiet. Um, And the new year again, (laughs) didn't really do much. Um, (laughs) But it's, yeah, it was, I think we had, as we talked about the last episode, it was nice to reflect back and I think we had a good 2023. So I'm optimistic for 2024. Um. But yeah, there's not much you can really say. January is always a dark, crappy, cold month. So, it's not well, like, I, uh, I, okay. Well, I don't agree, but okay. Oh, really? You don't? You like that? Yeah, because I was born in January. Oh, so, yes. Yeah. Yeah. 
It just seems to be as you're like, you. God, I'm like quoting movies right now. You're a little like Batman. You're like, bo- you're like, yeah, you're molded by the dark. No, well, I've, I I try to be uh, as as positive as possible because of the January depression. So mm. I try to balance it. It's well, it's something to look forward to. Speaking about things that can cheer you up, you know, okay. uh, porn. <laughs> That's one segue. <laughs> I'm getting better at those, aren't I? Uh, <laughs> well, it's so, not subtle anyways. <laughs> so there's this story from University of Wisconsin-Lacrosse where Chan- Chancellor Joe Go uh, was fired from his position because it, it surfaced that he and his wife have OnlyFans account where they invite a porn star uh, like a recognized porn star and they perform acts of intimate love and apparently uh, he was fired and in his opinion he was fired because of that and nowhere in the university uh, code of conduct it says that he cannot have an OnlyFans account with his wife but what's more uh, this gentleman also has a, a YouTube channel when he his wife <laughs> and a porn star uh, cook together vegan and vegetarian food. So how wholesome is this? Really? Literally, isn't it? Uh, how how you, so do you have any thoughts? Do you have any thoughts so about what, what was he um, professor for of? No, he was a he was a chancellor of the university. Oh, he's a chancellor. Yeah, chancellor. Oh, sorry. sorry. Yeah. But like, is this some fake university? It's not real that it's anyone could become like, chancellor. University of Wisconsin Lacrosse. Yeah, uh, I'm just like well, it's an important school either. Ev- even well, I, I well, well, it's not an Ivy League. I think if that's what you mean, <laughs> it yeah, was but how uh, significant of a. How do you judge like, the significance just, of a, I don't know of a school? Where is it ranked? What's his ranking in? Uh, okay, but like it, I know you well. Look, I mean, it is still third third level education place he is um this guy was a uh was a, chan- a chancellor okay okay so and he got fired apart in his opinion because of, because they didn't fire him because of oh, that oh yeah so they they, this is what you wanted me to so what are your thoughts on this should that in, should your extra your activities yeah oh, well no. is it that private if you can subscribe to it and watch it yeah exactly yeah yeah he's he's put it's public um yeah i totally think um it's like doing that kind of stuff that adult entertainment it's kind like you know what you're signing up for and you know there's going to be a risk to your your public life because of that like and there's a huge stigma with um adult entertainment so i feel like um to come out and say like oh they didn't have any rules against it but like yeah but it doesn't make it okay either to be like putting that on the internet videos of you having se- having sex i just think it's like inappropriate for a, a college like um like where you okay. where you're you you're what was it you run a you run a college so like yeah. an, an, you're, everyone loses respect for you because they would they do you think that is losing respect well like lose respect or 
uh, like and people some people just would not would feel uncomfortable talking okay. or dealing with him as well because they're like maybe they have their own beliefs they could be religious they could um right and they were like i don't want to associate with a guy who's who's able to willing to do something like that and it's a bit dirty it's still like i don't know you can always say like oh they want uh, for a, a female entertainer like they're they're usually quite young and like they don't really know what they're they their their brain like your brains aren't fully developed yet and they can end up doing stuff that is like they think is okay and then they look back and like why did i do that so i just think it's a bit okay dirty i don't know what do you think uh, uh i mean i didn't see his content so i don't know really? how, how how i don't know how young or i'm sure old you looked the... it up and were like oh i want to see <clears throat> oh, I look like it's a feasible way of making money but um uh, okay so just to put it like he also invited uh, a porn star called nina hartley to uh to and give you, a speech you don't know her either do you <laughs> that's beside the point <laughs> and he invited this uh particular actress to the uh, to the university to give a talk about the free speech and the university had already problem with that when he did this they they informed him that this is kind of a not how they want to run uh, their business mm. and later on it came out and then i think and then the only pants thing didn't come out until people realized that he had that youtube channel i think where he was oh, uh, with the food, the food, with right. the food that was a straight up cooking yeah. show him, yeah, like, that's his fine wife, that like no i don't and, have a problem and the actress and and then i think then the only fans thing came to the surface and he said he was unceremonially unceremonially unceremoniously fired uh he was just um i think he got like a tech not text he got like an email stating the fact he didn't have a chance to defend himself and uh yeah this whole thing just kind of uh okay was it should have and done it, that shouldn't have done well, that like it was it the best way to go about it that way yeah yeah maybe not i think yeah you should be face to face but uh, yeah and it's well like it discredits the university because you're like what if you like honestly if you were trying to go to a university and seeing the chancellor was making adult movies would you want to go there like it mm. attract a certain crowd anyways <laughs> Okay, uh, I just wanted to bro- I just wanted to bring this up uh, because I found it a little bit funny. It is funny, yeah. I I don't think I don't think. And the poor guy, like, in fairness, like you know, <laughs> I'm sure, like if he was a chancellor, I, I'm sure he's not gonna uh, suffer like uh, financially too much. Yeah, I think exactly. Be okay. Yeah, it's just do you not have enough? Do you have to really be yeah filming this stuff? Like, it's where so do they weird. find time to do that? Some people, yeah, I don't know. And uh, it's, it's, it's an easy job, and he was chancellor of small college. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever, I can do that. Um, okay, and let just let me <clears throat> let me also. Uh, I want also I also want to share with you some internet wisdom. Okay, uh, from Twitter, and oh I God, also that's not a I, good, good start. I also would like to know what do you think about that. So, the Twitter account is called <laughs> it's called Bad Vaccine Takes. <laughs> And this is uh, this is the tweet from uh, Wendy Patterson. Okay, so um, that's the lady who tweeted that, and she tweeted, "Took the vaccine, have no Asian relatives uh, in your family tr- again." 
took the vaccine, have no Asian relatives in your family tree, and you and your husband give birth to an Asian baby? <laughs> Question mark. It's because the vaccine they injected into your body contains the DNA from those baby parts they were used. So whatever nationality that particular baby was, DNA has entered your cell and changed your unique DNA. I just used Asian as an example to help you understand why they did it to you and possible your family and and possibly your family bloodline. So uh, yeah, oh my god! Imagine is she being? Is this serious or is she being? Is this like a parody of a <laughs> of a account? I mean, who knows? She tweeted that. God, but like, um, so she's saying that. There's an epidemic of women having babies. Asian babies. That, Asian babies. <laughs> unexplained Asian babies. That has to be the vaccine. Like uh, it's a it's a leap of faith to talk about <laughs> mRNA vaccine bringing it uh, a step backwards towards the DNA level, and then um, proposing that it's just disseminating them. <laughs> well, that's not how. I was vaccinated. I know, yeah. <laughs> and it was just uh, like, like, one of the things that pregnant women were recommending not to get a vaccine, I don't think, anyways. So, But I think if you take a vaccine and that Asian <laughs> DNA got in, integrated yeah. into your genome and then you have, uh, and then you become pregnant, oh, then right, that's when yeah. the, um, the Asian-ness all, comes through. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so racist. Oh my God. Seriously, isn't it? They're taking that's, over the world and this, how are they doing it? Because there is a, there's some, there's truly some, brilliant stuff uh, out there I highly re- recommend looking it up like you yeah. know it's, it's brilliant um, but uh, carrying on with the theme of uh, wild <laughs> COVID um, almost conspiracy theories or conspiracy or recommendations around COVID um, yeah it brings me to the my story about hydroxychloroquine Ooh. so a study calculated that there was an 11% increase in mortality associated with cases involving the use of hydroxychloroquine so the study's author, authors who had published their findings in a peer-reviewed it was a biomedicine and pharmacotherapy journal so this is actually published um, they've estimated that nearly 17,000 people in six different countries, including the US, died after contracting COVID-19 and taking uh, the anti-malarial hydroxychloroquine. So that's pretty crazy. Like, that's a big enough so, number. So they compared the mortality rate between people who got COVID and didn't take the ivermectin, and people so, who got COVID and took ivermectin. Uh, so but I'll, I'll, just ta- I'll okay. describe it. So basically they... They said they used public databases to establish the number of COVID-19 patients who were hospitalized during the early days of the pandemic. They said they said they then systema- systematically reviewed 44 cohort studies to calculate that there was an 11% increase in mortality associated with cases involving the use of hydroxychloroquine, along with about 16,990 in hospital deaths in the US, Belgium, France, Italy, Spain, and Turkey. So I think what they basically did was they looked at the amount of people that were in hospital and then they tried to establish if they were taking hydroxychloroquine and um, they were able to like did a meta-analysis to see that actually people who were had taken hydroxychloroquine 
there was an 11% increase in mortality. Um, and this was a yeah, meta-analysis of randomized trials. So these are actually trials as well. So it's a pretty strong link that there, there is an actual um, a, a mortality risk associated with it, which um, is crazy Like because there was so much talk of um, uh, hydroxychloroquine during the time. Like doctors were who prescribed hydroxychloroquine to treat COVID-19 at the height of activity restrictions meant to slow the spread of the virus, did so off-label and without evidence that there was any clinical benefit, as the authors of the new study noted. Um, the study's conclusions illustrate the hazards of drug repurposing with low level of evidence for the management of future pandemics. So yeah, like it's just um, this like small, like small weird trials that were being published that weren't even being published. They were just like preprints. They were like finding a link and then it's just like a certain cohort of society, especially those under who more right wing and who were supporters of Trump, um, who public publicly promoted it, um, were more likely to take that rather than take the other, um, more scientifically proven medicines. But I also think, like, what if uh, was there any chance that you know they could have been people that they got COVID and they got so so they got so serious consequences of it you know they were like really really bad that at some point they were like okay let's take hydrochloroquine just uh, hydroxychloroquine just because nothing else works like and i'm getting worse and worse will we just try it and then just because you know covid was so intense for those people they died and Mm. then this is linked to like because of hydroxychloroquine and you know it could have been the reason they took it it's because you know they were just trying trying everything and anything at some point yeah like okay fair enough that but like um there's i still think there's a difference between like recommending it um when and when there was when there was might have been a slight association but there was no real evidence and it's the fact that um people were recommending it without knowing the risks and i think there's okay. all, i think um, we can't really be recommending treatments when we don't know the risks. And that was always the the worry. Like, fair enough, if you can take something that will not make you worse, but there maybe not might be a negative effect. Uh, there might be no positive effect towards the improving your health. But like with these ones, I think it just highlights the risk that we shouldn't be promoting repurposed drugs for certain um infections or for diseases when we don't know the full um the full view of what what it is what could be the impact um like okay. that sounds that sounds like basic knowledge but like i still think a lot of people go in and think oh but it can't make me worse so like i might as well give it a go and it's like but like do you know the actual side effects the risks with this so that's what yeah, i, I think i'm just trying important i'm just trying to understand i'm just trying to maybe draw because we don't know what would be the mechanism of action that would cause these people to die maybe maybe taking hydroxychloroquine together with COVID-19 exaggerates the 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 COVID response the body's response to COVID I don't know it's just like what this study is saying that 
people who took hydroxychloroquine and had COVID, the mortality rate among those was 11% higher than those without. Yeah. But like, I don't know if we can, if we can, do you think, do you I think don't know, we can say, confound and I don't know if we can do say that like, because of a hydroxychloroquine, there's, uh, people with COVID died at a higher rate. But what, than, why? What, is it because you, do you think that people might be, who took hydroxychloroquine were more older? So they're more likely to die. Is that what you're trying to say? Or maybe, or, or some like, other confounding. You also have an established, like a clear code pathway to show that, that that would lead to that would lead to that result. Like you know, it's just this is this study is just showing that people who had COVID and took took hydroxychloroquine, the mortality rate was eleven percent higher. But like, is it because of the hydroxychloroquine, or is it just, or this is just an observation? They, you know, I'm just trying to be. Well, yeah, they, but like you can't. Yeah, obviously, but there's been so many trials that have tried to do this. Um, I think this is just a, a combination of all the trials that have been done, or meta-analysis, sorry, that's the right word. Um, and I think it is a good indicator like that of all the studies that they've looked at. Overall, there was a, there was an increase. There was no benefit. It, or um, is it... Yeah, okay, but then another thing that... Then that so what... I was just thinking about what you were saying and what did you, what you said before that these are these people were these people that that group this of cohort. people this cohort they is, there is a high right? chance that they might have been more indoctrinated into this uh, contrarian way of thinking so now now I'm thinking that like maybe it's not that they took hydroxychloroquine or 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 so you think they're they, unhe- more unhealthy that just went they went against any sort of regulation or any sh- sort of guidelines that was recommended look, and they they just made themselves worse and look yeah, and, you're, and you're, they also take hydroxychloroquine so that's why it okay. shows now is that these people die at the higher rate like okay. you know so, okay. i'm trying to do like a mental gymnastics here didn't know you had stocks in hydroxychloroquine um <laughs> look yeah honestly yeah it, that, that it is definitely could be a factor um, there definitely could have been people who were living an un- more unhealthy lifestyle. Um, they were more likely to put themselves in risky yeah. uh, environments, and they weren't gonna like follow the guidelines of what to do when um, um, when you do get COVID. Like you were meant yeah. to re- rest. They were just like going out still. So yeah, it's it's a. Uh, it's yeah, it's it's hard to know. There there definitely could be a thing, but like this is just a, a meta analysis that they have done. Oh yeah, um, for sure. I yeah. think look, the bigger the bigger thing is the bigger point is that we need to um like it's tough. Like I think we've like in our first season of the podcast, we always talked about this the repurposing of drugs and drugs, what we could have done to treat COVID at the time. And it's like <coughs> you're you're you when you're trying to develop when you don't know what how to treat something new novel you're going to try and repurpose a drug that exists and that involves taking drugs and seeing how it works and like sometimes it takes so long like how long does it have to be before you can be like okay like we have established risk benefit and that could be like a year down the line so you things can be on the fly so i don't know what what's the what is the best way of trying to combat this and try and have a more effective uh way of of um understand are treating um people when when these situations come up 
we do actually want i do have a hopefully we might have a guest who will be able to talk about this we're hoping to maybe have on our next one spoiler um but i which i would love to ask him about um but yeah, yeah that's just my my take on it so i don't know yeah no thanks uh yeah thanks for showing uh showing so i this. don't know people will still be like oh uh he uh, uh, he's just like bought out by Big Pharma. <laughs> I wish. I if you listen to all the podcasts, you know I not. I definitely don't. Um, I um, I'm I'm still I'm still resistant to say that hydroxychloroquine caused their death. Is that I just saying that this this was like a specific cohort of people that would take this hydroxychloroquine, and there is a loads of other factors that could have drive mm. that higher mortality rate but nevertheless it shows it shows but the, uh, and I do, something and i do think the other thing was that um w- the trump effect was such a a real thing because either people would like do everything he says or everything people would do the opposite of everything he said so um when he came out in support of it i think people were um definitely more likely to try and yeah obtain it and um yeah, and he was promoting it big times, and he was kind of trying to hint that he was taking it as well. So, look, um, I can't really, I don't know, you can't really criticize him for that, but like... What do you mean you can't? Of course you can. You can, yeah. <laughs> Let me take he's that a, bit he's out. a dum-dum. Yeah, Of course yeah. you can. <laughs> well, I suppose, the, the, uh, while I'm trying... <laughs> Tom's mimicking his movements. Um, I think it's just the way, like... He, a broken clock is right twice a day like maybe sometimes he can say something right but it doesn't discredit all the rest oh, yeah. of the crap he says so um that's why it's just hard to figure out if with anything he says has any legitimacy so uh yeah i mean if you say enough crazy things there it's just by the sheer log of yeah. probability you you there's gonna be some truth in it like you know yeah yeah that's it okay okay brilliant Thanks. Do you want to go into your news or do you want to go? Will I go into my chicken, chicken story? Chicken story. Let's go. <sighs> Give okay. me that poultry. I don't even remember how chicken tastes anymore. <laughs> You're missing out. It is oh, so good. Do uh, you know what I'm not missing out? No. Guilty conscience. Yeah. I sleep <laughs> yeah. so swoundly at night. So, yeah. Um, like what have you did you sorry i'm like what's the best way to intro this story um did you grow up around hens or anything would you Uh, my my grandma my grandma had a chicken coops and and chickens and one cock okay and would you be would you have been around them i would never go into the uh enclosure they look dangerous you were so you're a friend of hens well, I would look. Th- I would look at them from a distance, but I wouldn't go inside and collect eggs and stuff like that. Oh, you know? you're you're even afraid of that. Yeah. What well, were you doing that? Yeah, we we had hens growing up, and you're a uh, different breed. <laughs> we would go in and get the eggs. No, I love I hens. Just... Hens are the best. Like honestly, they they're such little idiots, but they're like so loyal and um the best. They're the best time, and if you can get one that's like really friendly you can pick them up and just rub them and <laughs> yeah are, like they, are, are they the labradors of, of of birds well no because they they're not they're not pets really they're still okay. they're just like they're idiots they'll come over for food and they <laughs> that's kind of it like but they uh, they go on and do their own thing okay um, okay i always have we about 
it's just one story before we go into it it's go like on. um i remember we used to have roosters as well and we would roosters we would um that were born in our our, our hen house they were usually fine they would be like tame or they wouldn't be wild whereas the ones we would get in they would be like like they would get very aggressive sometimes and i remember there was one time uh i was going around the house and like the the rooster was there and he like came at me and he like like my leg was bleeding he got me drew blood for me and i remember i came and i was like i had to like try and kick it like that's the thing their adrenaline takes over they just come at you and you're like oh my like i was like i don't know eight or nine i think it's right and you're like trying to kick it away and to keep coming back at you and it's like so scary and I remember I came in and I was like trying to pretend like nothing happened and my mother's like what hap- what's going on and I was like he- the rooster attacked me and I could <laughs> see all the blood coming down and I was like oh my god so yeah the they, they would there would be trauma with them little th- them things but what do you mean like a wild rooster is it like did you sorry pick wild him? rooster sorry uh, wild rooster it's uh, like a feral no sorry I'm getting a, I'm getting wild as in they would be like they would run away from you they wouldn't come close to you. Whereas ones that you would buy in, they seem to be more brazen or wouldn't be, they wouldn't be too shy or afraid of you. And that's the worry when they're not afraid of you, they, they'll, they won't be afraid to attack you. So that's always the, so you want the rooster that runs away, but you want a hand that is not too afraid of you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. So yeah, that was, and I, those, I remember that actually the other story, <laughs> Our, we used to have hens up to like um what was the point like a few years ago and then it was like one d- weekend i was home and they went to let the hens out and they were all dead like a mink had got in to the hen house and killed all of them all of them yeah and minks are the worst they just like they don't even eat them they just like bite the bite them their neck and just string a bit of blood and that's it like and then the, minks are the worst the hen just bleeds yeah it just dies like so <sighs> okay. we were like we'll never get them again so yeah um so yeah basically oh, jesus okay <laughs> i know i love i'm great for stories so yeah so what was this research um so people can tell if chickens are chirpy or frustrated from their calls according to researchers who believe that listening to the birds could help breeders improve the welfare of their flocks <laughs> I, I don't know about that if they I really, don't know really about, care yeah. um, so scientists played audio recordings of hens to nearly 200 volunteers and found that 69% nice could tell the difference between <laughs> birds that were happy about an imminent treat and that those that were annoyed that no such reward was forthcoming I'd always joke as well when we were in the house you'd always see like it's like a gang of hens just waiting outside the door for them to be fed. Like it was always funny. You just see them like perched up again. You could see like a, we had this like a, a semi-transparent uh, door, so you could kind of see through. So you just we just right. see them like standing up against it. Um. So yeah, people involved in chicken husbandry can identify the emotional state of the birds they look after, even if they do not have prior experience. The work points to an apparent common ground that many animals share in how they express their feelings. More practically, it paves the way for acoustic monitoring of cheek chicken flocks that uses artificial intelligence to gauge the mood in their coop and alert breeders when their heads are content. You find this hilarious. I just think this is so like imagine like creating an AI to be like detect when a hen is unhappy. 
Like it's just crazy to me. Like it's just they're not that complex of animals. Um so yeah, I don't know. I just think it's a bit much. Um yeah, so uh, Charles Darwin suspected that animals further down the tree of life expressed their emotions vocally. Writing in The Des- Descent of Man, he described how the ability might have evolved through successive adaptions in the animal's vocal organs. It raised the prospect that many creatures do not only share a knack for emotion-laden calls, but that they might respond to emotions in other species' calls too. So, But there's a difference. They don't communicate per se. They just vocalize their uh they vocalize their, their anger annoyance or whatever um yeah but then uh, that, that brings so many questions like are they what is so that are consciousness they con- yeah, yeah is that are they conscious of those feelings or i don't know i think it might be just a ev- evolved that you can recognize it because it's it can it's more for like safety maybe or like it helps and you you can be like you can it's better to for helps you survive when you can recognize sounds and what okay. they mean around okay. you um just so the basically how it worked is to see if people could identify emotions in chicken calls henning and his colleagues played volunteers audio recordings from hens the birds had been trained to associate it different sounds such as beep rings and buzzes with the contents of a bowl hidden behind a swinging door the surprises range from a mealworms and normal chicken feed to dust for cleaning their feathers and a rather disappointing empty bowl when the chickens knew a treat lay behind the door they produced a barrage of the sound but when there was nothing they responded with this other sound so here we go we'll play the sound sounds okay i'll go over sound one and then sound two and then you okay. can tell me if you can tell the difference this is sound one. Um, let's see if you can hear or if you can know. I'll play. Actually, what I'll do is I'll play both of them. So I'll play sound right. one and then I'll play sound two, and you have to tell me if you can tell which is which. Okay. okay. Happiness or disappointment? Yes. Is it? Okay. Yes. Okay. First one. Okay. Mm hmm. Okay, and here is sound two. (laughs) Are you sure they're chickens? Okay, okay. Okay. So, which do you think is which... I think the first one is uh, excitement, happiness, and the second one is disappointment. Yeah, you've got it, pretty much. Okay. okay. Well, it's it's not... Yeah, you okay, have, so- use some high-level IQ, Tom, until you get that, you know, most... <laughs> <laughs> it's still crazy, only 69% of people got that. I, I think it's pretty easy to tell, but... Yeah, uh, it's like the the second one sounded like a horror sound. Like they were yeah, clearly. No, I, I, when we at my where I grew up, you would hear that all the time. So the first one is called, um, uh, sorry, it's called fast clocks or high pitched stacho staccato clocks. Okay, but when there was nothing to get excited about. They responded with whines and long, wavering moans known as gackle calls. There is a scientific name. <laughs> so, so your hands were gackle calling 
all the time because you, yeah, you couldn't get them excited they did, about well, nothing. They, just, they wanted food the whole time. I was like, no, we can't feed you the whole time. Is that all they want? Just eat? Uh, well, yeah, but that's like a lot of animals. They, no, but they, in fairness, they were able to roam and they had their... But like, if you give them like toys, would they like... Stuff. No, if you give no, them the, toys. Toys? Yeah. No, there's no... They don't... No. They just like to like go into the grass, pick... Picking the grass, going to uh, go for mud baths, like fluff muff mud on themselves, and just chill around for the day, basically looking for food. And then when w- every so often they get food from, we'd feed them, and that was their yeah. lives, like happy out. Um, and they said like um, they could tell older people were mostly the one that had were harder to were less accurate at predicting, but that was because they had poorer hearing. <laughs> um, so yeah. So, the findings build on recent research that suggests humans around the world can interpret emotions in the calls of a vast range of animals, from tree frogs and alligators to ravens and giant pandas. The results have led scientists to suspect that terrestrial vertebrates share an emotional vocal wing signaling system in line with Darwin's thinking. Um, so, yeah, interesting, weird story. <laughs> I, I, mean, I don't know uh, if you can draw a I huge thought, amount thought, from it, but I thought it was funny. Was, I love hens, so I just thought it was I, yeah, 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 very no, close to can, my hair. <laughs> clearly. I uh, <laughs> I just thought I just thought that maybe, you know, some people are better at picking up being like empath or compassionate and kind of picking up on these cues than the others. I don't know if this goes down to like some vertebrate <laughs> terrestri- terrestrial things where they can... Uh, Ingrained in your... Yeah, psyche. Um, I don't know, maybe, but again, I'm not an evolutionary biologist. I'm but like, I think most evolution- people, most people can, can, I recognize it, but it's up to the, it depends on if that person willing to care or maybe like or not to get triggered by it. Some people just mightn't like, like it, it mightn't emo- uh, evoke. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. It might evoke an, a, a a reaction out of them. They just like it doesn't. Well, you do have to focus, right? You can't you can't be just like doing something here, that in the background, and like, oh, my <laughs> chickens are excited. Oh, my chickens are disappointing. I yeah, it was I I would rarely feel hear the chicken happy noises in my house. <laughs> um, but okay. hopefully, when you're gonna have your chickens, you they're gonna be yeah, more excited about. Can't stuff. have my chickens and hatch them. <laughs> A little, a little project. <laughs> Anyways, so yeah, t- thank you. That no was worries. a nice story. I like that. Was that was a nice story. Yeah, yes. I, so I have I, nice stories sometimes. You do. I think <laughs> I, I, I genuinely like that. Like you know. Uh, <laughs> so you can uh, think that, of that now when that you're, was when you're when you're doing your animal training. It's like, hmm, wonder does what does this? I, call uh, me? I don't want to even think about <laughs> the things I will have to do. Okay, it's. Uh, it's a it's a scary, scary you have to be a big boy idea now. for me. Yeah, I have to wear a big boy pants and uh, yeah. be confident about what I'm going to do. So that, but that's why I'm that's why I'm doing training. Yeah, and so I can do what I have to do in the in the most um, stressful way for everyone. Um, it's I had this gr- course and it was uh, you know they were talking a lot about humane debt which I had my own thoughts so about maybe okay if you wanted to give more of a, a later ex- a background or do, 
Well, I can talk about because I want to talk about the animals. Uh, maybe ne- uh, ne- maybe in, in next episode. The next time. Next okay, episode. Right. Yeah. So I I leave, I leave that out for later. But okay. I have my own thoughts, so that's why I wanted to talk about this later. But anyway, um, today I will focus just on these uh, clinical trials that are very exciting. So, are you ready, Evan? I'm ready. So at the end of uh, 2023, Nature released a short communication, a short communication publication that listed 11 clinical trials that are predicted to have an impact on, li- on life of patients in 2024. And clinical trials are the necessary step in appropriate and safe drug development to ensure that the end product can bring the most benefit to the patient and that the drug side effects are known and acceptable, balancing the risk-benefit seesaw. You know, clinical trials help us to avoid the situation. That's something you to, you mentioned with COVID-19, where a lot of people were taking ivectomy, ivectomy and hydroxychloroquine without any evidence for um, uh, for their benefit. And as we can now see, those people who took hydroxychloroquine, the rate of mortality was higher uh, in that group. So clearly, the clinical trials and uh, diligent study serve as a purpose. So on that note, um, I'm going to circle back to also something that we said in, in the last episode of 2023, where I expressed the anticipation for updates on in vivo gene editing therapies. Oh, yeah. And uh, little did you know, one of the first clinical trials to look out for in 2024 is one um, for in vivo, is one that involves in vivo gene editing therapy for hypocholesterolemia so hypocholesterolemia is is uh, is characterized by elevated cholesterol cholesterol levels in the blood particularly by the low density lipo- lipoprotein you know the the bad cholesterol mm-hmm. and um LDL contributes to the artery plaque uh, accumulation and there is a protein called PCKS PCK I can't see it's from far away, sorry. PCSK9 that negatively regulates the body ability to remove LDL from the bloodstream, heightening the risk of uh, cardiovascular disease. So uh, Verif 101 is the name of the drug. It's a, it's a invest- and is that it is an investigational in vivo based editing medicine, which is it's designed as a single course treatment to deactivate the PCSK9 in the liver, providing a lasting reduction in disease-driving LDL cholesterol. This innovative treatment comprises an mRNA encoding an adenine-based editor, along with a guide RNA packaged with the lipid nanoparticle and administered through the intravenous infection, uh, intravenous injection. So Verve 1, the Verve 101 trial is groundbreaking as it marks the first use of base editing treatment in human. The treatment involves two RNA molecules, as I said, enclosing the lipid nanoparticles. Um, upon the injection, level level cells take up the nanoparticle entering the nuclei where the base editing induces a single letter change in the PCSK9 gene sequence and effectively turning off the gene and preventing the production of the protein. So by by turning off that gene um, it regulates the the, the, the receptors for LDL cholesterol 
stays on the surface of the of the hepatocytes. So the LDL. Um, and that's that's uh, the, in your blood vessels. They're the yeah. cells. In your no, blood. no, in the in the hepatocytes. So when oh. the blood flows through hepatocytes, uh, by, in by the deactivating this protein, the receptors in the hepatocytes stay on the surface of the cells and they are able to pick up LDL from the bloodstream into the cell and get rid oh. of it. And whereas when you have this protein expressed, the function of this, when you have the gene expressed, the function of the protein is to uh, arrive at the membrane of the cell and destroy this receptor. And when this receptor is destroyed, the LDL has to stay in the bloodstream because there is nothing to mop it up from the bloodstream. Oh, okay. So you don't directly affect uh, you don't directly affect the reason for why LDL is being produced, whatever. But what you what you destroy is, is in the, the just in the liver because it's a targeted therapy. So just in the liver, you destroy this uh, PC, PCSK9 protein uh, gene. So the protein cannot be produced. We don't destroy it. You, you well, you deactivate the gene. Deactivate, yeah. So the protein is not being produced. So the receptors for LDL you are constantly it. expressed. And when they are constantly expressed, they can constantly collect mm. the LDL from the bloodstream. And, and so that's the, how you lower it. So what, what's what stage of... So the proof... Pilot? Yeah, so the proof-of-concept data uh, provides an interim update on 10 participants across four dose cohorts. Um, it's an open-label phase one uh, study. And they're, they're looking for a, a safety assessment in patients with heterozygous familial hypocholesterolemia, uh, cardiovascular diseases, and uncontrolled hypocholesterolemia. All participants exhibit exhibit these uh, conditions and were uh, insensitive to any other form of therapy. So that's why they managed to get on the trial. Yeah. So admi so uh, upon the administration with these uh, four escalating doses and after 24, eight, 28 days, the zero, uh, the first of all, the drug worked because the PCSK9 levels were reduced from 59% to 84%, depending on the dose that was administered to the patient. And then LDL cholesterol decreased by up to 48% with the 0.45 milligrams per kilogram dose and by 55% with the 0.6 milligram per kilogram dose. Oh, wow. Um, the cholesterol reduction, the LDL cholesterol reduction persisted for six months in human, surpassing the uh, 2.5 uh, year duration observed in non-human primates following a single dose. Oh, so they only had one dose and it... And it this worked. is just one dose treatment, yeah. Oh, wow. That's crazy. Yeah. Uh, despite, uh, although there's always a drawback, but like that's why these studies are being done. So despite the positive outcomes, the treatment exhibited side effects, including brief flu-like symptoms and a temporary increase in liver enzymes, which, uh, mm. but then were normalized within a few days. Yeah. Uh, well, two cardiovascular sense. events occurred during the study, uh, but an oh, independent, independent yeah. safety board concluded that these events were likely related to the underlying disease rather than the treatment. Yeah, that's right. Uh, so the trial wasn't <laughs> cancelled or anything else. Um, additionally, no off-target effect was found in clinical studies on non-human primates in mice. Regardless, the company must follow trial 
participants for 14 years as mandated by the FDA. And after all, it is a gene editing therapy, which is permanent. Uh, we haven't done that uh, before um, in vivo. So yeah, these patients... You would, think, you would think once you give the infection, or in, sorry, injection once, mm-hmm. that um, when the cells die off, that the the newer newer hepatocytes would um would then start to would it be revert back to what it was before well, like um, if they divide they divide with that mutation okay. already because it's yeah. uh, it uh, what's the word the it, it, the mutation is incorporated into yeah, the it's, yeah. it's a genome mutation so it stays it's there edit. so if you if you divide Mm. It should propagate the. Um, yeah, yeah. Actually, yeah. I didn't think of that. Actually, yeah. if there is a high enough, um, if there is a high enough uh, targeting rate, then you should you should maintain that level. Uh, there could be there could be some um, there could be some um, dilution effect with time. Uh, something that is observed with the AEV gene therapies. You know, when you infect with the virus, um, but. Um, yeah, that's why it's being followed by forty. It's gonna be followed for fourteen years, so um, mm. so we can monitor. So this these, is the first these patients um, in vivo, in vivo, like that. Yeah. they don't have to like isolate st- cells. No, and do you it just ex vivo. Yeah. Oh wow, that's really cool. That's really yeah. cool, right? But yeah. I'm always still like the skeptic in me is like, what's the unintended side effects of this? Is there going to be from like down regulating or up regulating this well it's down regulating this gene expression so would it have any unintended side effects hopefully not well um, it's just it's targeted it's, it's not systemic uh yeah it's just hurts the gene just in the gene. liver oh yeah but i'm like does that gene have an if uh, it being down expressed going to have effect with some other liver function i who know i don't know Maybe they would. You, well, you would think that the animal they tests know, and, yeah. and they would know the uh, the mechanisms. Yeah. But that's like, wow, well, to actually have uh, a start on that like is amazing. Because yeah, I think we all both like every a lot of treatments were nearly always the treatments we always talked about with CRISPR, or like um, gene or what. So this is just an mRNA molecule. Well, they, it's, uh, not, it's no CRISPR involved. Well, it is gene editing, but you in, you you um, you inject mRNA that is then translated into the uh, protein that does the yeah that yeah, does yeah. the coating. Okay, and the mRNA so, just stays there in the no. Once the, the once the once you deliver you so you deliver the cargo, it gets inca- inc- incorporated into the no. The mRNA gets translated. So you so the po- the whole point of this would be like that. You have to target all or at least as many as you can hepatocytes in your liver with that with that treatment okay. right oh so yeah yeah i get i you know i know i get you now each cell has the to mRNA get the cargo com- yeah the mrna yeah. comes in it gets translated but it stays like that it doesn't just like once the it mrna per- destroy is destroyed it performs it go- so it's yeah once the mrna is gone it's gone but so the, st- but the, the the effect will stay around yeah because it's a gen- it's a genome yeah. it's a mutation in the genome okay okay yeah so then the the mRNA get degraded at some point. The protein that did the uh, editing it but gets de- pr- yeah. degraded uh, after a while, and then you just stay. But you might have with, to give another injection. Periodically well, the point is, year. if you target, if okay. you, the point is to be just one injection treatment. Yeah, but I still feel like that that would be 
I know you were saying like they would multiply and they would stay like it would just spread but yeah. I'm like surely like there'd be the natural forces come and play that it slowly would weaken the effect of it over time yeah but if you if you if you target 95 90% of the hepatocytes like you really have to flood it with with that so you make sure that as many cells get gets corrected as possible so then it never fades well that's that in theory okay okay interesting you know um, we'll see maybe maybe they maybe they will maybe they will need to have um, re-inject them but then that kind of goes against the um, the whole so idea of having a one so, injection treatment right so yeah so like it's interesting how um since the vaccine basically now mr just straight mrna is going to be the looks like it's going to be the the next big thing rather than trying to edit the dna to insert things or something like that just skip that step straight away altogether uh, well, mRNA is always transient. So, for example, the thing that I'm doing, patients would have to be, if what I do ever get into the place where it's going to be injected to the patient, they would have to be, first of all, flooded with the therapeutic to make sure the entire organ is covered. And then once the effect is reached, then every every few months you would have to inject again just to maintain the therapeutic effect. Okay, so, so it depends on the... the, the how your drug is supposed to work here okay. they just used mrna to deliver as a delivery of cargo you know and they let yeah. the cell do the rest of the work to translate the mrna into a protein let the protein do its work blah 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 they probably made sure that the pro that the, the editing is uh, uh, efficient it does happen and you know once the editing is done cell is uh, the genome in the cell is corrected uh the mRNA goes away with time because that's what it just that's what it does. And then the protein is being degraded as well because that's what happens uh, with the proteins inside of our cells. And then you just well, you're not hoping. You kind of have proven that you know this this correction stays and is being um, and is being um, pr- uh, divided and repopulates liver with the cells that mm. uh, carry on that mutation. Yeah, but yeah, but it depends on. No, just some some diseases, um, uh, or some conditions, the mRNA will stay around because the effect it will have. Whereas other ones, it it you have to keep reinfecting. <clears throat> so injecting. mRNA will always disappear. Yeah, it's but always like, transient. Yeah, okay, yeah, but um, but the effect can be more more long term for some conditions compared to other others. Yeah, because it either so you have two forms of therapy, right? You either you either do the Make intervention at the ge- at the genome level, or do you just do protein replacement? So let's oh, say there's yeah. a condition that that for which a, a certain protein is non-existing, you you develop you develop a, a a disease, and then you get supplemented with the mRNA. mRNA is translated into protein, and now that protein that you were originally missing can be replaced with the one that you introduced with the mRNA. Yeah. But as I said, that mRNA will get degraded. That protein with time will also get degraded. So then you need another injection because you're only operating at the RNA level. You don't you don't interfere with the genome. Genome is yeah. being never corrected. So that's that's the situation when you have to keep flooding it with yeah. the uh, with the keep injecting mRNA. In the in the case where you do gene editing in 
through whatever means uh, you want you XV want to do or it, right? In vivo. Yeah, or you can, or you can inject the AAV that uh, has a uh, has a DNA with a promoter, and then the DNA yeah. is expressed to code for the uh, gene editing protein. You can do it that way. They just decided to skip the DNA expression and they just injected with the mRNA that already encodes for this gene editing protein, and then because of that protein is there the change is permanent so yeah. ID, theoretically they don't have to re-inject again okay yeah 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 um and then so was there another one you wanted to mention the star stars guard oh yeah for stargard's disease so uh a lot so every time we when i was in my phd when we would like start talking about stargard disease i'd like a talk or conference or whatever we would always say like oh there's no there's no treatment for the disease and and this and that, right? Oh yeah. Okay. So not so anymore. Like, so it wasn't a selling point, but just to just show that the, you know these patients are in in the great need of therapy because we can we can tell them we can recognize the disease uh, via like the um, phenotype they express, uh, eye images, and also we can confirm it with the genetic testing. But they but then these patients they were kind of just hanging around and uh, there was nothing that could have been just like chilling. done for them. They were just waiting for their vision to disappear with time, which is like oh. horrible if you ask me. And there's and there have been like multiple studies uh, studies going on at the preclinical level and at the clinical trial level. And one of them is this TIS um, one uh, study, which uh, uses these um, small molecule so it's not a it's not a genetic treatment. Uh, it's a it's a small molecule called um, um, ALT LAK zero zero one, and uh, sorry, there, there it is, ALK zero zero one, and it is a it is a type of a vitamin A that has been uh, modified in a certain way that is not gonna be turned into a to into a toxic compound that drives the progression of Stargard disease. Because these patients, like, ca they cannot be given, like, they cannot be taken, okay, they cannot supplement you, vitamin A. Can you explain quickly what what's the genetic, what causes Stargard's disease? So there, uh, okay, so there is, a, there is a protein called ABCA4, and this protein works um, on the basis of transporting chemicals from one side of the cell into another side of the cell from the and by doing this translocation of these chemicals it uh, it facilitates better recycling of compounds that they can be recycled further on and reused in the process of uh, creating vision yeah um when when this abca4 protein doesn't work these chemicals these compounds that you know should be recycled are stuck on one side of the cell and then uh, they accumulate on that one side and they start reacting with each other over the time, which they shouldn't. And once they start reacting, they, they, damage. they, they damage, they cause damage to the, to the cells responsible for creating sight because, uh, the the because of the toxicity. Yeah, the retina is built of photoreceptor cells. Yes. And uh, these cells start dying because, because of the accumulation of these chemical compounds on one side of the cells where they shouldn't be. So, <clears throat> so now uh, this treatment uh, uses this. Uh, it's basically 
a specialized form of vitamin A because vitamin A is very important in the process of creating vision. There is like, it's a, it's a step down cascade and on top of it is vitamin A and then it changes, changes over time uh, and it facilitates creation of, of vision. So this this special form of vita- vitamin A um, that when it's left on the one side of the cell, because again, we are not touching genes or anything like that. Yeah. We're just giving them a vitamin A supplementation, but it's a special special vitamin A, uh, which doesn't doesn't react with itself when it's being left on that on the one side of the cell. So by not reacting with it with each other, they they don't cause toxicity and they don't drive the the destruction of the photoreceptors, mm. which is basically the uh, the cause of uh, of Stargardt disease. So these studies have been um, have been done on um, uh, in terms of kind of tol- toler- tolerability and safety because it is a supplementation of normal vitamin A. So they wanted to see if you know if the patients how they're gonna respond to it and if uh, if there is no some side effects because in that case they would have to terminate that study. And these are some again some. Uh, preliminary results that were announced uh on the 10th of january so quite still quite fresh yeah and it showed that uh a disease did not progress in two patients who were receiving this treatment uh, who had the same genetic uh variant as their siblings and Physicians were expecting the disease progression to be the same as with their siblings because that's <clears throat> because that's how the study was designed. You know, they're I, think, both, I, I guess it was genetically identical. So <clears throat> I think I guess it was too late to help the the siblings, but these the other patients managed to get on the trial. And after two years, the disease has not progressed. Um, so that's a great sign because. Um, we're not trying to improve their sight. That's not the point. The point is to stop the progression of mm. the disease in a in a fast enough uh, manner. You know, it, the later you get, the worse chance of um, of preserving the sight because again, you're so not you can get improving. A better, you, yeah, you might something else might come down the line that's has a better chance of improving or reverse or not. Re- yeah, stopping well, or reversing. So stop. If you if you if you if you won't allow the disease progress, that means it will stop at whatever damage has been yeah. done at the time. And then the only way to reverse it is to do cell 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 cell, cell, tra- cell <laughs> for cell transplant. Oh, okay, yeah. So because maybe that's that could be more likely an option when you stop it at whatever. Yeah, state well, they they are some they are some uh, trials going on with the uh, cell transplantation, but. Um, yeah, that's that hasn't been uh, conclusive yet, but this uh, this is a great news because now we can uh, we can identify families that uh, you know maybe have young children or are planning on having children, and yeah. you know if this if this is gonna go to 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 its end and it's it's a viable form of treatment, then we can we can put these patients on this vitamin A supplementation, this specialized vitamin A supplementation that uh, will prevent. Uh, the disease from uh, progressing, which is you know great because if you do it early yeah. enough in childhood, then there is a chance that you preserve one hundred percent of their vision, like you know. 
So um, that's gonna be something that I will be definitely asked yeah. during during oh, my yeah, defense. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but so, so uh, basically, the, the sorry, just mm-hmm. uh, ask or confirm the the this mRNA um, treatment will convert the, the the products or the build up of these toxic products. It converts them to something that's safer. Is that okay? How it so works? this is not this is not genetic treatment. This is not has nothing to do with DNA or RNA. It's just vitamin A supplementation. Oh, completely wrong. I'm getting completely. But confused. it is not just normal vitamin A. It's a specialized vitamin A that does not react with itself with its other parts. It's called. It doesn't dimerize. So they ha- you would want you don't want them to get vitamin A from another source it has to be vitamin A from this source yeah and is that possible like can you stop them getting vitamin A well if you if you if you supply them if they're gonna keep taking that then that's gonna be predominant that's gonna be then then well they they have been it seems like these patients are doing okay that the disease progression has Mm. stopped yeah because I was just like yeah I was looking if you if you get vitamin D from your vitamin A from your diet, yeah, how do you make sure that they take get the vitamin they get is the one that's not going to cause damage? But from what you've seen in the results, it's obviously just having this other source of vitamin A is sufficient enough to stop the damage, yeah, from getting any worse. So it's interesting. According to this uh, to this uh, press release, um, which is pretty great. I'm yeah. sure the st- I'm sh- the stock. I'm sure the stocks release, of so this it's company. Still, sorry, they said this is a, it's press release, so it still has to be peer reviewed. Yeah, yeah. It, I think they haven't been. Um, they have. They haven't published any papers yet. I think the trial is still ongoing. Uh, mm. But you know, I guess when you get such a optimistic, promising results, you just want to show something to stakeholders and show something to the family and it. Uh, it's a definitely big news for the community and it's definitely a big news for the for the company that manufactures this and yeah. who, who runs the trial, you know? Yeah. Because yeah. it is the first ever for Stargard disease. Like there's yeah, nothing yeah. there's nothing yet that that works. And that and, is that is at that level yeah. of approval, like, you know. There and are things it, that work, but And it doesn't seem like that invasive of a a treatment. Or is it an yeah, it wouldn't be that. So the drug is actually uh, it's an oral administration daily for uh, twenty four months. Okay, so it's a very non invasive treatment, which is yeah. great. Like, cause the last thing you want to do is get an injection into your eyeball. Yeah. So um, just um, yeah, don't forget your pills. And do you think actually? Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> do you think that how close are we to getting a genetic treatment for these eye diseases? For this so there, there is one already, right? For the uh, Luxorna, oh, yeah. it's um, it's a uh, we've uh, talked AV about that on our with Alex Granto. With Alex Granto, yeah. if you want to. So see that's more. one gene treatment that is already there um, for RP. Um, for for Stargard disease, uh, gene delivery can be tricky because it's a quite uh, quite large, uh, chunky gene. So the vec- the the cargo vectors aren't the cargo viruses or they're, they're not, not really they can't hold it. They can't hold it basically. Um, and what about mRNA? There is a group working on it, uh, but I haven't. Uh, mm. It's not much being being published about that, uh, so I don't know what's the stage Very of secretive. that. Very secretive. Okay. Um, 
Yeah, well, you know, in the field of antisense oligonucleotides, that's what I was working in. There is a there is a lot of preclinical uh, stuff going on, but um, hopefully, soon enough, something will be able to get into into a, a clinical trial stage because the preclinical stuff is is going well uh, for different variants. So it'll yeah. take so long for to get onto for but actual people to use it. It was just the worst thing is the tran- tran- translatability of the of mm. the efficacy, you know. Sometimes you see that it works on the cells and then you go to the animals and then everything kind of goes to crap. Yeah. But yeah, uh, yeah hopefully. It, it hopefully. won't go, f- it, that won't happen to you. <laughs> <laughs> no, hopefully. hopefully not with my new treatment, no. Yes. Um, okay, perfect. That was cool. Um yeah. Interesting uh, stories, updates on clinical trials. It's always exciting to hear these stories, um, to see what what's been new, what's been investigated, and it's just like interesting to show show that like it's not all high tech, fancy mRNA genetic modification treatments. There is just like normal drugs out there that actually could have a significant impact on people with with diseases that don't have a lot of options. So, um, again, and I bring bring it back to the drug repurposing and all that kind of stuff. It's really um you just hope that they can <coughs> find ways of uh using existing drugs to treat these diseases that no one ever thought before so um yeah it's it's kind of exciting to see i love reading about these kind yeah. of trials the pow- power to the small molecules yes um and then maybe to final to sign uh finish off will i give uh a quick overview then of that ancient dna yes reveals origins of multiple sclerosis Yes. So, uh, more than 1,600 ancient genomes have helped trace the roots of a host of genetic traits found in modern Europeans. Um, and the genomes suggest that many characteristics, including a heightened risk of uh, for multiple sclerosis, were carried to Europe by people who migrated to the continent in three distinct waves starting around 45,000 years ago. Um, so, these results were purposely were published recently in Nature, I think uh, early this year as well, beginning of January. And they provide some evidence that some of the regional variations in certain traits were caused by differences in migrants' dispersal patterns. So not like a lot of people say um, the sunlight is a big uh, factor and why they reckon MS is kind of more common in the northern uh, mm-hmm. hemisphere or northern Europe. But maybe not only that, there is a genetic uh, aspect and the genetic aspect is because of our ancestors who migrated to Europe um, many years ago. Many years ago? Centuries many, ago. Many years ago. <laughs> long, long ago. <laughs> Before the famine. <laughs> yeah. Um, so... So do you know? Can you do? You, you're you're a man of people. <laughs> I'm a man of people. Yes, <laughs> you're a man. Um, <laughs> that's controversial. Uh, um, <laughs> I just think you're getting hysterical now. Um, you're a man who enjoys um, history and um, understanding evolution human evolution okay so um well, do you have any idea what mm-hmm. was th- who were the main people who settled europe are the whose the, three main waves as okay. they call it in this pit in this um so paper. i don't know i don't really i couldn't call this three <laughs> waves but like my understanding was that they came from the 
uh, India kind of part, mm. but I might be completely off here. Yeah, you were. Yeah, the, so the the basically all came from, uh, well, Asia, Asia and the Middle East. Yeah. So there was hunter gatherers. They reached Europe from Asia around forty five thousand years ago. Then we had farmers who arrived from the Middle East eleven thousand years ago, and then they had pastoralists or they call them animal herders who came from the steppes of western asia and eastern europe five thousand years ago so this is the three main okay. groups that were mm-hmm. the ones who settled and kind of are the 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 evolutionary where we what's the right word where what all most of our ancestors are from mm-hmm. in europe are from these three ways basically okay um archaeologists and historians historians had assumed that these three groups mixed with one another throughout the continent and that populations in particular places evolved distinct traits in response to their local environments but when a geneticist and his team began investigating the ancient human genomes they found that this wasn't the full story and the researchers collected and sequenced DNA from 317 ancient skeletons found in Europe most of which were between 3,000 and 11,000 years old and then they combined these sequences with existing genomic data from 1,300 other ancient Europeans Uh, and by comparing the remains genetic markets ages and burial locations the scientists were able to draw a european family tree and migration map that revealed how genomic characteristics in a specific location changed as populations moved over time it showed for instance that the steppe uh, pastoralists or the animal herders Mm -hmm. they mostly went to the northern parts of europe whereas the middle eastern farmers went to the south and the west Okay. And, some of, and some of these migrants completely replaced the existing populations. They say in Denmark that it went underwent two large population transitions, just each within a few generations. And these suggest that the newcomers actually killed all the locals rather than driving them out or mixing with them. So they kind of like changed the, the genetic makeup of the local area. And that is why certain um, diseases or certain, um, uh, yeah, certain evolutionary traits were seen in these areas not because of the environment and the mixing with one another it's because they completely dispersed the local population they took over and their genetic traits that were um, so they brought them with them they brought them with them um yeah so they said they compared that so what they did next was they compared the ancient genomes with those of four hundred ten thousand modern individuals who genetic profiles were stored on the uk biobank and they showed clear evidence that many traits trace back directly to one of these tree migration waves so for instance modern northern europeans are taller and lighter skinned than their southern counterparts because they have more ancestry from these animal herders and those with the most hunter-gatherer ancestry commonly found in northeastern europe have variants that put them at higher risk of diabetes and alzheimer's disease and this is all because of the where their ancestors settled in europe and the, so this this helped to solve questions of why ad, human adults evolved the ability to digest milk before Europeans herded animals because they say mutations near the gene encoding lactase, the enzyme that allows babies to process milk, could have helped early humans to survive famines before the arrival of these animal herders. So they um, they showed that they evolved to be able to survive in the famines, but they had to have a mutation that became a, a competitive edge a evolutionary benefit to the local populations um 
So we but, were able to digest milk before we started herding yeah, animals. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So okay. like it, that's why they're saying that this population they evolved that before this other population, the animal herders came and settled in Europe. Um, <laughs> but yeah, one of the one of the traits that seems to have a strong evolutionary advantage is one associated with a predisposition to multiple sclerosis. This trait evolved in Europe with the West Asian pastoralists and became even more common in Northern Europe over the subsequent millennia. And today, MS is a devastating disease caused by an overactive immune system attacking the nervous system. But that superpowered immune system could have helped ancient people to survive plagues and common pathogens. So this is just a speculation, but they reckon that they think that um, it helps supercharge the... Um, the immune system so that it would be able to fight against these uh um viral infections and and uh plagues and pathogens MS. Be, yeah that the, their immune system was more heightened okay and this was why it was more predominantly seen in these populations and as well like it gave them an evolutionary advantage and it was because of the population bringing that with them when they migrated to this part of europe so um it's kind of interesting to see, like, if you look, at, if we can uh, compare, if we can sequence old um, skeletons from centuries or ago and compare them to modern histories, can we can find out, like, what does that information tell us? It's really interesting to see that. Um, mm. uh, it, what traits have they brought with us? What has the environment played a part? How how much has genetic played a part? But yeah, that, that's... Uh, it's such a complex system trying to figure out, right? It's not just like one thing. It's just so many things yeah, and it's overlaying not just, each it's other. Not, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it's just, it just shows how complex human evolution really is. It's not just they go to an environment and you adapt straight away. It's like how, what, where you've been, where you're coming from to where yeah. you are now. How does that all come into play? Um, I suppose that's the whole point of evolution. You need to be able to adapt, but have different types of adaptions possible. Um, yeah. So you don't want everyone to be the same, or else we all <laughs> boring. Die off. Yeah. And uh, just <laughs> also so shows unique. like the uh, the attachment to the lump lump of ground or lump of soil you think mm-hmm. you're from is just like so. So yeah. detached from reality, like, you know, it's just like everything we is all, transient. People come all, and go. Yeah. People are always mo- on the move, trying to find newer. Yeah. So even the people people who live in Denmark now, they are not the original Danish people. Like the original Danes were killed off. Is that what you're saying? They were the, re- they were the first migrants. <laughs> <laughs> the first migrants to settle in Danish well, land. You know, yeah, yeah. But they're, you know how they're like, oh, we don't want migrants. Well, you were like, but you came from migrants. So we all you migrants. Were, you, you were the first migrants. Yeah. Don't just, tell you're better than me and us just because you were arrived a little bit earlier. <laughs> that's it. Like, you know, uh, in the in the grand space of, uh, you know, time and universe, we all just speck of dirt. That's that's it. Like Great note to end on, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, um, yeah, so that was today's episode. We talked about how our Christmas was, how we had a new year. Uh, Tom gave us a great overview of uh, is porn in academia? Is that can they can they mix? Can they go together? Porn. Um, 
<laughs> I gave a quick overview of the hydroxychloroquine, how it was associated with an increased risk in mortality. Can he- humans tell if chickens' calls are happy or frustrated? Um, Tom gave a quick, good overview of two clinical trials for um, hypercholesterolemia, hypercholesterolemia, and for and Stargard uh, Stargard disease. disease. Yeah. And then finally, I give a quick overview of the uh, inch DNA reveals origins of multiple sclerosis in Europe. So it was a lot in today's episode. They're packed, yes. But I thought it was nice, nice quick stories that I thought were interesting. Um, hope you enjoyed today. If you want to f- reach out, you can always reach us on Instagram, Skeptically Inclined, uh, Twitter, if we even have a Twitter anymore, at Skeptically I. <laughs> And we do. We still do. Busy. And uh, skeptically inclined at gmail.com. If you find any weird or wacky papers you want us to look at or any stories, please let us know. Um, so, yeah, that was today's episode. If, do you want to add anything else, Tom? Um, hopefully, next time you hear from me, I'm going to be a doctor. Yay. Yes. Yay. Yeah. And um, hopefully, we might have a guest on our next episode if not for next month hopefully for March so um, stay tuned stay tuned for that that should be we haven't had one in a while so it should be good it should be Um, good indeed so stick skeptical guys have a fantastic day and talk to you in the next one yeah stay skeptical bye bye